There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Well, let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Back from hiatus time. We took a little bit of time off. Time. Forgive us. We're sorry time. Whatever time of day it is, the right time for the return of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And here's our, our mea culpa for missing some time. The entire crew in the house today, West Rucker, joined by, let's go clockwise, Grant, Ramey, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown. Save the best for last. Seems like a long time since we've had the whole crew together. It's been a while. For, for a podcast, that is. We never, we never do anything as a family anymore. Stop looking at your phone. The reason we haven't done a podcast lately, guys, by the way, is, and by some by guys, I mean you, you, the listener, is it's all Ryan's fault. Yeah. Generally. Could be girls listening, too, if you mean. Guys and girls. Guys and gals. No, need to be rude. I know. See, look at this. You are correct. We are an inclusive podcast. And while we're... The GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by... A few members on our the board... The 24-7 broadcast. A few yeah. members on our board might be triggered by what you just said, Wes, but we'll, we'll move on. Here's, here's what we're doing. Since we've already maybe just offended some people, let's go ahead and remind everyone <laughs> that this podcast, uh, we do not speak for our parent company, CBS Sports. We do not speak for 24-7 sports. We do not speak for anyone except for ourselves and any guests that we bring on also speak only about themselves. Legalese out the way. And guys, we, we got a actually a pretty interesting topic to discuss today for for uh for Tennessee. It was kind of a I don't know what you call it, a a near miss or a a close call. An almost oopsie. Close call works. For those that dodged. Yeah. This would be like a crazy like story somewhere else, but in Tennessee it's like man, eh, we've seen this before. Yeah, a new, a new... Sharon Jones was, like, crazier than, than this, as someone reminded us on the checkerboard earlier. That's true. Sharon Jones actually did leave and then come back and then won the Battle of Bristol and then left again. <laughs> won the Battle of Bristol. Single-handedly won the Battle of Bristol yes. without getting off the bench. Team chemist. You promised us you wouldn't do this. I'm not calling you dad ever. Ever. Not even in a fire. Hey, which of uh, which of Sharon Jones's uh, career passing attempts at Tennessee was y'all's favorite? Which of the two? I don't know. They're both pretty good. If I had to say so myself, Tennessee, Tennessee Tech had no idea what was coming. I'm not sure what's impressive, more impressive to me, the fact that there were two, or the fact that you knew that there were two. It's like he wrote that story and it just stuck in there. Yeah, it just stuck. Here's why we're discussing this. In case you missed it on Thursday, and I know it was Thursday because I was on my way to Chicago when I see a message saying, hey, uh, Darren Kirkland's leaving Tennessee. It's all your fault, Wes. What? I was in Kingsport, actually. Darren Kirkland Jr., who I don't want to say presumed starter because it's a new defense, but a guy for the past couple seasons who, when he's been healthy, he's clearly been the starter at middle linebacker for Tennessee. 
sent out what looked to be a message with some finality to it, saying he was transferring to from Tennessee. He was a graduate transfer. He just completed his undergraduate degree, so in theory he could transfer just about anywhere and play immediately. Uh, and then all of a sudden, over the weekend, started to hear, whoa, 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 maybe he's not doing this. Maybe he's not doing this. And as it turns out, he's not doing this because uh, on Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, and we're recording this on a Wednesday and on a Tuesday, so this would have been yesterday to us, Tuesday to y'all, Jeremy Pruitt comes out and says, actually, yeah, he's not transferring. So there it is. Darren Kirkland Jr. was gone, and now he's not. And uh, all's well that ends well? Is, is that the, the, the party line right now? I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, I, I have been asked by some people as a result of this already, kind of wondering, are teammates going to worry now that he's going to quit on them in the fourth quarter, you know, because he, cause he had one foot out the door in a situation like this? And I, I don't think so. I, I think, like you said, all's well that ends well. It's a business. Yeah, I, I, I think this is just a, a classic example of what happens in several instances, usually, as we've talked about before, kind of expecting attrition almost this offseason, which really hasn't happened. And, uh, and there's been no mass exodus, certainly, from the roster. They've had two guys leave so far, despite the coaching change. But you expect to have some issues like this that pop up along the way, either guys who know that there's a change in scheme, they know that they're not playing for the staff that – believed in them before you know just worried what their role is going to be whatever it might be or just thinking in a, a change of scenery is is good for them and and graduating and as in Darren Kirkland Jr.'s case is a good opportunity to take advantage of the chance for a fresh start all of those things could be factors so it's not surprising to see this happen but that to me that this this isn't any kind of sign of a character flaw in Darren Kirkland Jr. it's not a sign that he's not bought in he's going to buy in anywhere he plays it's just a matter of he obviously for at least a second thought, you know, maybe I'm better served going elsewhere. And clearly after he and his family talked with Jeremy Pruitt, they decided, you know, it's better off if I stay at Tennessee. It was weird. It, I was in Kingsport at the last big orange caravan. Kingsport, the second best of the Tri-Cities. Mm-hmm. No comment. The, That's a whole separate A close podcast. second. I mean, no it's comment. a close second. Keep I mean, it moving. Second place trophy is still pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, Runner up. Anyways, and... and the tweet, I guess Kirkland tweeted it probably about 10 to 15 minutes before Pruitt was supposed to go on stage. And myself and a few of the other media people there were wondering if, if any astute fans would, would ask him while okay. he was on stage, hey, Darren Kirkland's leaving. What do you, what do you say about that? Because we, we had just we, talked we, to we him. We should have planned some questions with people. We, we had already talked to him. Uh, he had already done his media session beforehand. Well, he, this was at like a resort conference convention center type thing. They have those in Kingsport. They do. Just it was kidding. actually pretty nice. Um, We're trying to trigger Grant, and it's just not working. And the not taking the bait. The event was in a big room, uh, a big convention room, and Pruitt was like in the lobby before he went on, and he was just—I think he was talking to his wife—and we were trying to sort of like poke around and see if we could get like a comment from him, and he like looked the same. So like either if he was surprised or if he wasn't surprised, <laughs> you couldn't tell either way, because he looked the same. I think he plays these things close to the best. What his reaction would be. I haven't been able to determine how much they knew or if Kirkland had talked to them or how much it was. I think he was uh, – he went back home during this month, right? I as believe so, as, yeah. As far as I know. Yeah, some players stuck around. I'm not yeah, sure that he was I, one of them. I, I think he – yeah, and I think this was something he probably I – don't, I don't know when Kirkland decided he might – or wanted to leave or whatever, but uh, Pruitt was not, like, giving anything away. But I've, I would love to see him shocked sometime because I've never seen right. it. But yeah. it's hard to read. But like uh, clearly, though, I think it's interesting that he he basically went and re-recruited Kirkland to get it back because, I mean, 
you're a first-year coach. You're trying to set your program and set your culture. And if you think a guy doesn't want to be a part of your culture, then there's the door. I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, I don't want to make any assumptions on on why this happened. And, and the bottom line is, at the end of the day, all that matters is that, that he's back and everyone's going to move forward. However, however, I do think it's interesting that pretty clearly to me it looks like this statement was released before Pruitt had heard anything. Because he and, and clearly, I don't think Kirkland had like gone through all of the paperwork to get a release, yeah, yeah. and do all that stuff. He, I don't know if he just thought like I can just do this and then that's that, and I can be my own press release here, and 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 that to me, it, it, looking from the outside, it looks like just sort of a snap decision almost. And, and he said he's been thinking about it for a long time, and, and maybe he had, but. I think this is something that clearly he hadn't fully thought through when he did this because once he said that and then to come back, the only other explanation is that he was going and Pruitt's like, I'm just not going to let you. So, which is hard to do when he's a graduate. And well, which Pruitt has, has already basically said is not how it happened. He yeah. basically said we were going to support him in every way. I mean, he didn't come out and say we were going to let him go wherever he wanted, but he certainly implied that they were going to give him some sort of freedom to go where he wanted him. And I don't think his likely destinations anyway were probably in the SEC. So I don't think there likely would have been much of a conflict on where he would have gone. So that, that part's interesting to me too is, you know, would there even have been a, a desire to block him that, that could have been a factor in this? And, yeah. and Pruitt addressed this stuff, didn't he, last yeah. week or recently at a, maybe a Big Orange Caravan thing where he's oh, talking, he's talking about, about grad transfers. Oh, it's been like the topic du jour. Yeah, the like last he wouldn't weeks. get in the way or yeah. something along those lines. So if you do block Kirkland, then you're uh, 100% being hypocritical of what you said less than you know a week ago. Yeah, and and the bottom line is is that he he wants to be back, but I, I do think there. There is an interesting story there somewhere about the reason why this happened, and I, I do think, and, and I wrote a column about this. So if you've already read that column, you're you're probably getting this a second time around. So sorry about that. But it, it's, I, I think that it's so easy for people to think like a fan and to not think the way most of these guys think. You know, Darren Kirkland Jr. is growing up in Indianapolis. I guarantee you. He does not have Tennessee stuff covering his walls. I guarantee you that where he's dreaming of playing is in the NFL because you get paid to do that. And, and so I think that that's no different from anyone else. And what they see these colleges as the, is kind of a conduit, you know, to, to get to where they want to be. And the, the whole school pride thing, that comes as you – usually that comes as you start playing in it. You know, you, playing a ten, you play in a Tennessee-Alabama game and – then all of a sudden, you know, Tennessee means more to you. You know, th those sorts of things. That's my phone. Jeez. We're going to leave that in. Who I is remember, it? I remember my first podcast. I don't actually know who that was, but whoever it was, it's someone from a 601 area code. So Shout out 601. Somebody yeah. Google that. Where's that yeah, go Google, where's 601? I got it. Where's 601? Can I get a drum roll, please? I get, num I get calls every day from random Central numbers. Central Mississippi. I was going to say, this is either a radio spot Wes forgot about or it's a telemarketer. Do they have those in Mississippi? Mm. They have everything in Mississippi. That's where I'd put them. I would I say central to south central Mississippi. South central Mississippi? Not the, not the Gulf Coast. 
Nothing. Oh, that's like a really boring part of Mississippi. Yeah. There's nothing is going there, on down is there. Is there a non-boring part of Mississippi other than maybe yeah. Tunica? Yeah, I mean, Bullock, you know, uh, Hattiesburg's not a bad place to be down there. Biloxi, I mean, there's South Haven stuff is basically Memphis, and it's yeah. in Mississippi. So yeah, I, I mean, there, there's that. But you <laughs> know, that the, right, right. Uh, th- these kids they grow up and they want they see these places as kind of a conduit to to where they want to be, which is the NFL. And they look at this, if they're smart, they look at it as where can I get a good degree, where can I play football at a high level, and how can I position myself to get to where I ultimately want to be. And if for whatever reason this thought crept into his head that there was a better way for him to get what he wanted than to be at Tennessee, maybe he had, you know, the injury history, Just he just wanted a fresh start somewhere else. You know, it, it, it could have been a family reason. It could have been a an argument with a teammate. Could have been something about a girl. We don't know what it was. It could have been anything. But to think of this like a fan is to think of this not the way these guys are thinking about it. That well, that doesn't that that just doesn't register with most of these guys. And that's not just Tennessee. That's Alabama. That's yeah. You know, USC. That's Miami. Penn State. Everywhere is like that. Yeah, and 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 I totally agree with the NFL point. I mean, that's what most kids are kind of looking at is how can I. If, if you're a player in Darren Kirkland's position that has a, has an opportunity to play in the NFL if things go right for in the next year or two, that's that's what you're mostly thinking about in, in a large percentage of these cases. I think also he was close to some guys on last year's team that are no longer at Tennessee, and I think that's uh, that that's always a concern is does the place feel different now that, are, that there's a new freshman class guys like in. McKenzie aren't there. Yeah, guys that you've known and played with for the last few years are no longer there. The coaching staff that recruited you and coached you the last few years is not there. D- new position coach for the first new, time. For new him. system. W- will the new coach want to play yeah. the guys he recruited specifically? Because right. so, like, coaches were well, like that. Well, so before I even got into that, I just wanted to point out that they're like, you know, the, the atmosphere has clearly changed for Darren Kirk- Kirkland. He's been through the injuries. You know, maybe there's some – some thought, just like sort of a mental block that says, you know what, I need to go somewhere fresh to to, to give myself a chance to get past this injury stuff. I need to wear a different color. Yeah, and then on top of that, yeah, I think there are legitimate football concerns they might have had that maybe needed to be addressed. I don't know if this is the case, but looking at it just from my perspective, you've got J.J. Peterson on the way in, which he's not on campus yet, so we'll see what happens there, but in all likelihood, J.J. Peterson's in this year. You add him to a group that already includes Daniel Batuli and Corte Sapp. There's actually some competition there. And for the first time, Darren Kirkland maybe isn't a guaranteed starter. You know, it, it, it's not a sure thing. And then next year, they've already gone out and gotten a commitment from a four-star junior college linebacker, Lakia Henry, who likely projects as an inside linebacker. So it's not hard for me to look at this from Darren Kirkland's perspective and be worried that at least by next year, I might not be part of Tennessee's plans at inside linebacker. And that concerns me if I'm trying to get to the NFL. So multiple reasons here, I think, to consider it. And it's not hard for me to understand why the thought at least – Cross his mind, even though I was surprised once we first heard the news. And even from a more broader sense, maybe he just doesn't want to, didn't for a second or, or whatever, didn't want to be part of this starting over, this sure. rebuild. This this is going to be a long couple seasons. Wants to win, maybe. Before they start, yeah. you know, kind of establishing their identity and trying to build a winner. You've got to have, you know, it's it's not year zero, to, to quote uh, the oh, great, geez. the great Derek Dooley. Where's but, guys, guys. But Where it's gonna, it? it's gonna be a while. This is a really tough 2018 schedule. Uh, this is not the best roster Tennessee football has had, obviously in the last however long. Uh, maybe he just for a second thought he could go somewhere else, and and it'll be a little bit yeah. easier because you're gonna go through the same. You're gonna put in the same amount of time for this 2018 season on the practice field in the weight room, whatever, and it could be a struggle that you could put in somewhere else and maybe you win more games. See, I'd embrace that because if you're a defender, think about it. 
every year since basically I can remember following SEC football, there's always at least one, if not two, Kentucky guys near the top of the tackle category because they're on the field all the time. And if you're a defender on a bad defense, you can still look pretty good, and you get a lot of chance to put a lot of tape you know, out there. So from that standpoint, I'm not saying that, that you – you're okay with losing because that's, you're that's out the there more, of it. but you're out there a lot. You're getting a lot of reps against elite competition. And if you cover your man, these NFL coaches, they're going to look at film and they're going to say, well, he was where he was supposed to be. He was doing what he was supposed to do. I mean, they go into division three and stuff like that and, and find guys, they're going to find you if you can play. So I would look at that. I, and if you can play, you're going to be developed it, by one of the better defensive minds. Yes, in college football of, of late of the last decade. And if you're, but if you're Kirkland though, you, you've had all these injuries. You're looking for, you're looking to put together one year where you're healthy and you're good, and then you're looking to take the next step and get paid to play, mm-hmm. even though you've got two years of eligibility left. So that's why I, I think that probably factors in, factored into his decision as well. And as Ryan kind of pointed out, his position has sort of uh, it's changed since 2015 when, uh, in 2016 when he went down in Tennessee. You know, they were down to Colton Jumper. We all love the ultimate the ultimate jumper, but. He wasn't Darren Kirk. Oh, I really should have had that um, synced up and ready yeah, to go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have. I should have let you know. But uh, and you should it, spend less time taking phone calls during the podcast. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, but and, and now you look at his at, at the inside linebacker position that Tennessee's got, and, and Daniel Batsuli had a great year last year. I would say maybe not a great year. Had a great moments. Really productive. A productive year, but one you feel like he can build off of if he keeps mm-hmm, developing. Mm-hmm. Same same goes with Corte Sab. I think he had a. I would say I would I would say they both had promising years. Because mm-hmm. they're and, both and Sap had a really good spring. I mean, too. Sap, this is the first time Sap has like really played at all. And same for Batuli as well. So this is the first time you know they were you know they're just out there making plays and um, you know well you know Peterson's coming in as we mentioned, assuming he gets here. And then uh, I think Will Ignatz another guy that's in the mix. I don't know that he took his opportunity and ran with it in the spring, but he's another guy that looks the part. And tough, if, if it kid. ever if it ever clicks for him mentally and in terms of his maturity, he could be another guy that's mm-hmm. in there as well. And Ryan pointed out. Uh, the junior college guy too, so and, it's a, and the, obviously the, and obviously Dylan Bates clearly for this year, yes, yeah. And so <laughs> we don't have any music for Dylan. We need to get some music for Dylan. That's true. Uh, and so the, his posi- he, his position, maybe maybe he should wear fifty three. Maybe he should. I'm, and I'm not saying that that Kirkland is like now more expendable because he's not. Because when he's good and if he gets the rust knocked off and if he's back, you know, being what he is, he could be a really good player and a surefire starter for this team. And behind those guys, they don't have a lot of depth. That too. I, I think that was the biggest thing is that now this bolter, bolsters his position because now you've got a couple more quality options because if Kirkland's gone, you've got Batuli Sapp and then you've then it's Peterson who's a freshman coming in learning and learning the defense. Then, and then maybe a big drop-off. Then Ignat and then a big drop-off because Shannon Reed and, and Solon Page are – I mean, they're four, three outside linebackers that they're just playing inside linebackers because they have nowhere else to put them. Yeah, that's the closest th- place that you can find to to put them, basically. And, and and let's let's face it too. I mean, the scheme change is a big deal. You're not going to be in the three four all the time. But Darren Kirkland maybe had the thought that I don't know that I want to play in a three four. I'm not best suited for that. Every nickel is the same, more I, or less. I, I still yeah. feel like it's going to be their two best inside linebackers is who's going to yeah, play. I think so too. And now it's going to be situational because Batuli is a is a much better. Uh, run defender. Mm-hmm. He's a thumper. Then, he's a thumper, yes. Uh, I would think Ignat's the same way right now. And then Kirkland and Saf are probably your two best maybe coverage linebackers. Yeah. When, when you're Assuming a, Kirkland is not 
been really slowed and has lost his quickness and his agility based, you know, off these two injuries he's had. But when you're in a 3-4, the, the principle of the defense, obviously, is that the defensive lineman can take on multiple blockers on the offensive line. And if they don't, if those guys don't do their jobs, those inside linebackers end up taking on more interior blockers, more big guys. Um, so it can be hard if you're not a big physical inside linebacker to to fight off those blocks and to still be productive. So you could you could see that Darren Kirkland maybe not being one of the bigger guys, maybe being a better prototypical fit for a 4-3 system, might look at that and worry, even if he is a, a major player still under the staff, that maybe the system's just not the best fit for him and he'd be better suited elsewhere. Plus, at, you know, as Grant pointed out, he might have an opportunity to go somewhere and jump right into a situation where he could win right away. You know, Michigan was a school that he strongly considered coming out of high school and khakis you know people wondered if there was a connection there that he might go back you know play at michigan and they're they're at least hoping to contend right away at michigan so you know someplace like that could have been really interesting to him so multiple reasons for this i think it's totally understandable but back to your original question wes i don't think there's any any reason for people to worry about Darren kirkland jr going forward this doesn't mean he's not bought in the, the fact of the matter is and this is one thing people don't realize i think with a lot of grad transfer situations it's an it's a one-time only opportunity it, when you graduate, around the time you graduate, mm -hmm. is the only year you can do it. So Darren Kirkland Jr. can't wait until next year when he's a year into grad school and then move on to a new grad program. Yep. It's to give you an opportunity once you graduate and get your undergraduate degree to move on to a grad program that fits what you want to do. That's what it's intended for. So he had to do it now or never. So next year, his only op option is to move to an FCS school or Division II school if he wants to transfer going into his fifth year at Tennessee. So this was a, is a now or never situation. I can see why it, thought about it but it also makes sense that he's staying and, and good for Tennessee it, obviously it once, once you're out there you want to play well and you, you, yeah. you know there, there's no like you have less desire or anything like that I, I don't I don't believe that at all I think that when you're out there you you want to play well you want to go play at the next level you want to put good tape out there you you, you don't I, I, I don't buy that at all I think that his teammates won't care if he's out there producing then they're not going to care credit DK for being the first VFL to ever come back and play for the program it's true. Will and credit him for being history graduating maker. in three huh? and a half years too. By the way, I, I was going to ask and Will he you, you just made me well. Laugh maybe that. Sharon was the first. That's true. Did Sharon play? Do After any of the three of you know where Listen, Sharon is right now? He won a really important college, game. Right? I believe so. The Did highest he? the highest attended college football game of all time of all time is a game West. that Tennessee won. He engineered the comeback. Because of Sharon Jones. We know this. Wes, where do you think Sharon Jones is He didn't Jones even need a right helmet, now? and he engineered the comeback. I, actually, I, I don't know. I know the answer to this question. You guys both said junior college. Ryan right? knows the answer. No, it's, 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 it's some small D1, isn't it? You're both wrong. It's a small D1. He's already moved to Mexico. Ah, there it That's is. That's a small D1. It's Mount West. That's a little bit bigger than small D1. Mid-sized. <sighs> if it was a rental car, it would be... It'd be like not economy. A, a standard, not economy. a standard sedan. Standard, yes. It also wouldn't be parked into a brick wall. It's kind of, kind of like the, <laughs> kind of like the Honda Civic of uh, of rental cars. Maybe it's like, it's like, it's it's not. If y'all noticed, the people that did laugh at what Grant just said were me, Ryan, <laughs> and Grant. Listen, a lot of people, a lot of people. Has that story been told publicly? Wreck rental cars <laughs> when they're parking them. <laughs> At the at the actual rental car in, in the play. rental car, uh, you wrote a column when they're not in space. them. You wrote a column mentioning about our, our our staff road trips, but you didn't mention you didn't give the proper credit to the main people that do the rental car driving, which is we'll give the reason why <laughs> the people who drive drive and the people who ride ride. Okay, so do you? I don't I don't remember the name of it. It's that it's that whatever Dodge's version of the crossover is. 
It's like is it a journey? Because I had one of those a journey. Avenger might have been the one we know. had in Memphis. Actually, it's basically here's the deal. This the button for turning it on and off is very very close to the button that turns the radio on and off, like alarmingly close to each other. And I thought I had turned the car off when I hadn't. And so I get out of it to go give them, you know, the keys and everything. Here, 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 here's the car back. And it, it kept rolling. Did you put it in park? No. That was that that that's the part I have no answer Herein for. Here lies the problem. Yeah. If if I had put it in park, it would not have mattered. However, I thought So it wasn't the button that threw you off. You're just throwing that out there as a decoy. No, like I hit I definitely hit a button. It just wasn't, it didn't do anything. So, but that wasn't the problem. But even course, when you try course. to turn off a car and drive, it doesn't turn off. So that might have been the problem, too. Of course it wasn't operator error. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's like whatever, how many people are working in Enterprise at one time? Four or five people. And Enterprise Rental Car brought to you by the GoVall 24-7 podcast. And so I get out of the car, and, and it keeps rolling. And I said a bunch of words that I probably can't say on this family-friendly podcast. Attempted to jump back into the car. <laughs> no, that's what I want to see. I bet that was an athletic move. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually did get back into the car, but pretty much simultaneously as it was hitting the wall and going. <laughs> and then the worst part of the whole trip was uh, of that whole experience was they have to ask you, <laughs> do you dispute any of the claims here in our report? <laughs> it's like, guys, y'all were right here. Yeah. It happened six yeah. feet away. Like, you, me, you, God, everyone else saw what just if, happened. If there I was have... a police report, you were a witness. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, uh, yeah, just what happened? Yeah, just, can I just sign the thing? Can I just sign the thing and move on, please? And it was such a small amount of damage, but it was definitely enough to where, like, they had to do something about it. So the, somewhere out there, there's a relatively new uh, blue Dodge crossover that has uh, a brand new bumper on it, thanks to me. Come, come, come to the GoVols 24-7 podcast for the Darren Kirkland discussion. Stay for the hilarious retelling of a West story. To get us back on track, I do feel bad for Darren Kirkland that I'm sure he regrets putting that out there well, publicly he's, he's before he was Twitter. I, I, I know. I was just about. That's where I was going with this next. Can Does he re- bring back his Twitter yeah, account now? You can reactivate know, a Twitter account, can't you? I mean, we've all. I don't been know about a Twitter <coughs> account, but he Twitter, I don't think you can. Do we know that he definitely didn't just change the name? Did he definitely not just do that? No, he's disappeared from the okay. Twitterverse. Mm-hmm. Or the which, Twitter, which would be nice. I, I wouldn't mind because dis- he might from the Twitter myself. Because yeah, he might have terrible cha- idea. Because he might have changed it to like he might have changed it to like Philly one two three four five six seven. It's true. He might start trolling Joel Embiid. Yeah, we need to ask him about his callers next time that we talk to Darren Kirkland Jr. Clearly, but you know, I think that once he decided or thought that he was going to transfer, I think deleting that account, knowing the way Vol Twitter uh, can be when you rub it the wrong way, uh, yeah, I think that was probably a, a smart thing for him. And, and before we get out of here, since we have mentioned grad transfers, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the ongoing saga, saga of, uh, of Brandon Kennedy, former Alabama. Uh, can we still do we do we say former Alabama? Or yeah, because he's, he's leaving. Yeah. He's announced he's leaving. Current but, current slash former. Yeah, current slash former t- uh, tied for life. He's uh, announced officer. he's leaving, but I guess we can't rule out that he returns. I <laughs> well, I, yeah. think, I don't. I think he's probably not coming back. Now. Yeah. So the basic. How about we refer to him as a future either Tennessee Vol or Auburn Tiger? Yes. <laughs> yes. The, Assuming the, the SEC rule lets yeah, him do it. The hang up here is that there is. Discussion. There are stupid rules in the way. There, yep. there are discussions. Uh, and, really, and, more like guidelines. And, anyway. and Nick Saban is on one side of it, so you know that side's going to get some attention. Is should these 
transfers be allowed to go anywhere they want, grad transfers only, within the conference, or should a conference be able to block you going to a conference program? That That's where, I'll be honest, where I stand on this is where I've always stood on this, which is on the side of the guys who are playing the game and the guys who, if you have done what you need to do to get your degree and you've done it with eligibility left and that's the incentive, the carrot out there for you to get your education, once you get that degree, I think you ought to be able to go wherever the hell you want to go. And that's that's Jeremy Pruitt's stance, too. And I don't think he's saying that just because he wants Brandon Kennedy to help his offensive line. He let Dormady go. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and who knows if Dormady was really looking into the SEC. But that's the thing. It, that that should be – and I think it's going to become more prevalent if, for these guys is that incentive to graduate and then maybe play your last year somewhere mm-hmm. else, maybe improve your situation. If you're Darren Kirkland, you have a reason now to get your degree in three and a half years. If you're Dormady, you have a reason to, you know, get your degree and you have an extra season to play. And so, you know – that. I, I get why there's transfer. You you should be able to block guys that just want to leave your program early. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that's fair. I don't think it's fair. And Alabama has been, uh, I would say they've been hypocritical on this because Nick Saban two years ago would not let Maurice Smith go to Georgia. They blocked him. They made a big fuss out of that. Didn't want him to follow uh, Kirby Smart. Didn't want him to go. Yeah, didn't want him to go with Kirby Smart. But then Chris Black, I think, is is, is the guy's name was a receiver. They let him they let him go to Missouri without any fuss. And so. I think their I, option on that one was probably yeah, Missouri. I, but I don't think they had either either of those teams on their schedule. But yeah. obviously at the time they probably is, hey, it's more likely we're going to play Georgia in the SEC championship than Missouri, so we'll let this guy go regardless of how good. And, and Smith ended up going to Georgia and playing a lot for him. So they've been sort of one, you know, talking out of both sides uh, of this issue. And this is sort of shaping up right now to be another sort of Marie Smith well, issue because they blocked, uh, they denied Kennedy's appeal, and now he's got to have hearing, I guess, just to even be able to talk to Tennessee or Auburn or whoever. Well, there's a couple other facets to this. First of all, Nick Saban obviously pointed out that there's an SEC rule in the way, too. And the problem here is the SEC has granted exceptions to this rule, but the rule basically states that regardless of the type of transfer... And he's just saying that I'm following the rule. Yeah. I'm taking advantage of the rule. It's there. Sure. The, the regular transfers, graduate transfers, whatever, that if you move to another school within the conference, you're required to spend two semesters in residency before you're allowed to play, which basically means you have to sit out a year. So even in Brandon Kennedy's case, say Nick Saban does allow him to transfer to Auburn or Tennessee, the SEC rule states that he's got to sit out this year and he can play next year as a fifth-year senior. He does have two years of eligibility left, so that's an option for him, but that's also in the way. So the SEC, I mean, I think there just needs to be a rule that either you can or you can't play immediately if you move to another SEC school, and they need to take the, take the gray area out where the SEC steps in and allows exceptions to it. But the other side of this is let's let's – assume for a minute that, I mean we haven't seen this hurt Tennessee greatly yet I mean we've seen guys like Quentin Dormady and Venzel Boulware plan or, or already move on to other schools as grad transfers but this is what you got to say you're okay with basically if you want to open this up to everybody and this is what Nick Saban I think wants to prevent so I can sort of understand it that I do too because if you so, imagine you're Tennessee in a regular where Tennessee normally is right. as a program and you have a guy who would be a second teamer for you but definitely good enough to play, and he wants to go to, say, South Carolina, Let's take it beyond Kentucky. That. Let's take it beyond you know, that. If you're Tennessee, do you want that to happen? The answer is no, you don't want that to happen. So I think people need to understand it from both sides because I do think both sides have a legitimate claim well, here. Let's, let's, throw it, let's throw it beyond that because it doesn't have to be a backup to take advantage of this. Say you open it up and a guy like Trey Smith is a starter at Tennessee, hasn't won anything major at Tennessee, 
graduates and wants to win a championship before he, he's done in college. He could move to Georgia or Alabama for his final year and go compete for a championship right away. Are people okay with that opportunity being there for players? That's and that it, you absolutely. Picked a, you picked a bad example if because Trey Smith, if, assuming he's healthy enough to play, is going to play two more years. He's going to go make money. I, I agree. I'm just money, it's a money, hypo- money. It's a hypothetical that could happen. I should have picked a different player. Right? Maybe Jarrett Garantano or someone. With that that might be a better one. Cause you know, that's a guy that could start at Tennessee next year, but say if he doesn't didn't play as, enough, as much as he wanted this year or whatever, he could graduate in theory and go on to another program and start against Tennessee. And do people want to be okay with that being an option for players? It's a it's a slippery slope. I can sort of understand both arguments, but I, I think there does need to be a consistent rule on it. I, I do. Well, first of all, fans are going to do whatever, you know, Nick Saban's awful because he wouldn't let this this guy that was probably star for Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know how – I have no idea how good Brandon Kennedy is, but if yeah. he's good enough to sign Alabama, he's probably good enough to play on Tennessee's offensive line. I'm, right I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he would probably start at Tennessee right he's now. Probably I'm just going to throw that center. out there. I'm just going to throw that out but there. But, like, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you know, you're a Tennessee fan and Saban's blocking this guy, you're like, Saban's just – he's a mean, he's a meanie, he's a tyrant. It's not his rules. It's SEC's rules, like he care, said. He doesn't care about the players, blah, blah, blah. But if the shoe was on the other foot, they'd say, yeah, he shouldn't let them go. He shouldn't let it go to a rival. No, not at all. They should definitely be blocking that. And so I, I would you would hope that most fans would be like, you know, what is best for the players? Because a lot of times these players, you know, these coaches can leave and break contracts and all this stuff. And all it, the it's yeah, just do all the time. And these players have much more I'd, of that stuff. That's, to that's the insane hypocrisy that always exists. Yep. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee's head coach. He was Alabama's defensive coordinator last year. A player and can't Kirby make that Smart move. was Alabama's yeah. defensive coordinator. Now he's Georgia's head coach. Uh, Dan Mullen was Mississippi State's head coach. Now he's Florida's head coach. They don't have to sit out a year. They don't have to do anything. They they don't have to wait until their contract's up and their obligation to the school is finished before they move on to something else. They get a buyout. The the school pays the buyout, and they go, and they get a raise, and they move on to the next job. If you're graduated, your obligation to that university is done. Yep. When it's convenient for them, all they do is sell that these are student athletes, not just athletes. That should be... You're free to do whatever you want. I, you, if you want to go to Florida, Georgia, if you want to go to Rivals, it doesn't matter. Your obligation to that university is up. That football program shouldn't be able to touch you. Uh, if you want to leave, it would be a goal for players to graduate and have that kind of free agency. Yes. I mean, it's insane. It's just insane that these rules exist. I, w- I would say that even a, you're almost in danger of getting in the territory where you're talking about how, how long are scholarships guaranteed for. Because you know, if you're talking, if they're yearly scholarships, which in all reality they are, they are, then you know. Oh, they're renewable one-year deals. I mean, these schools process players all the time. Yeah, but players can't process the school. Right. I and, and I think it also and coaches process the schools. Keep in mind though, it and hurt it, players during the process. I mean, that messes up a lot of relationships and situations. I, I think it. I think it just comes down to I. I fall on the side of wanting the players to have the freedom because so many things don't look out for the player. The national letter of intent being at the top of that list, obviously. Yeah, don't it, sign that thing. Don't sign it that pro- thing. Don't sign it that It protects thing. the school, not the player. So, And that's the whole reason for this. You have to get a release from your national letter of intent to transfer. That's where most of these issues come into play. So the, the NLI doesn't protect players. This, the option to be a graduate transfer, does uh, give players you know, some, some protection, some freedom to do what they want if they earn that right. So I think that's where I fall on this. But as I've pointed out, we've seen graduate transfers come into Tennessee. How would Stanford say, though, have viewed it if Keller Christ had wanted to transfer to Cal, a rival right next door in the same conference? Would they have viewed it the same way? Would they have still been okay with that? Or was it just a much more palatable situation that, you know, he goes to somewhere like Tennessee and they don't have to worry about him at all? Madre London, if he had wanted to go to Michigan, 
from Michigan State? Would they have cared? You know, it's a little different when you do it within a conference to a rival. So I sort of I get it, but at the same time, I still fall on the side well, of the players. It, what, what concerns me is is now do you have a situation where, at, at especially some smaller colleges and, and anywhere, do, do you have academic advisors being told by a coach to let's not let them take fifteen hours necessarily. Let let, let let's. Let, let, let's not graduate this one too early. You know, let, if that stuff starts happening, and, and by the way, for those of you who think that's not possible, you know nothing about the way college sports works. Anything they can do to find an advantage, they absolutely, someone somewhere will try it. And, and I just don't, I, 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 these players get so, they do get benefits. They absolutely do. However, this thing is not fair for them. It really is not. And anything that can tip the scales a little bit toward them, I'm 100% for. And I think it's reasonable once – I think Grant put it best. Once you graduate, your obligation to that university is completed, period, dot. You have fulfilled your end of the contract. That You had a contract, a mutual contract, to go play sports – and to be a student at that university. Once you receive your degree, your obligation, you have done your part. You have paid off the car at that point. You, you, you've paid off your mortgage once you've done that, and you ought to be able to go wherever you want. That's just, I mean, that, that to me seems like you've done your part of the contract. You've paid for the car. Feel free to park it into that brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, it's like you have paid for this rental car, so go ahead, and if you want to run to the brick wall right in front of Enterprise's face and tell them to deal with it, you can do that. Nick Saban, do you dispute any of these charges yeah. <laughs> from Brandon Kennedy? <laughs> and now, while we're on it, I, I still think more than likely, I think Brandon Kennedy ultimately gets cleared to go where he wants to go. Well, which is Auburn and, or Tennessee. Well, what's, what's interesting about this is that there's been like no fuss at all about Nick Harvey. Right, who's also transferring within the conference. A and M, Texas A and M, South Carolina. Yeah, A and M didn't seem to care as much about that one and because those teams play every year, don't they? New coach, Am I thinking yeah. wrong. New coach, and he wasn't likely to start. It looked like so that they didn't put up as much of a fight. And I don't think South Carolina plays A and M this year. I could be wrong on that. I'm checking that right now. Actually, they they may be crossover yeah. rivals now that I think about it. Are so they playing? Weird. Are yeah. they playing this year? Give me a drum roll, please. I think I want to say they play every year now. That I think about that. October thirteenth in Columbia. Yep, I think that's the for some reason they're interdivision rivals. Doesn't make any sense, but thanks for nothing, SEC. Yeah, but st- yeah, still even on the schedule, they just said, yeah, you're not starting for us. Coaching change. Do what you want. Tell me who Tennessee plays. And, well, and not only that, but he was free to go wherever he wanted, and he looked at Auburn, he looked at Tennessee, and he looked at South Carolina, and then ultimately chose South Carolina. On October 13th, Tennessee plays at Auburn. At Auburn? Yep. Yep. I don't know that that one's going to work out really well for week. the balls. Off the bye week, indeed. After going to Georgia. <laughs> there are some people thinking that could be an upset possibility. <laughs> hey, that's a fun stretch of the schedule, though, right? Florida at home, at Georgia, at Auburn, Alabama at home, at South Carolina. That'll be fun time. Here's, here's what's going to make the next couple of months fun. Think about this. You can look at it as a negative or positive. We have no idea what they're going to look like. I shouldn't have put Florida in with those other four teams. I think they're not that good. They'll, that, they'll that probably wear white or orange pants, and they'll wear an orange or white jersey, Yeah, and they'll have a white helmet. That's probably what they'll look like. And uh, thankfully for them, they will not have Butch Jones on the sideline. Yeah. and But isn't that, it's kind of cool when you think about it that it's kind of Here frustrating that we don't know, but we have absolutely no idea. They could be the worst team that we've ever seen 
or, or or they could they could be pretty good. We 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 really don't know. Ryan I think knows. that's kind of cool. Ryan knows. Yeah, I definitely don't know. Ryan does know. We know that. They won't be the worst team we've ever seen because I, I thought they were pretty. I thought they'd be. I thought Butch they'd isn't walking people. through that door again. <laughs> Butch Jones is walking through that door. Energy vampires. He actually will be walking through the door at Neyland Stadium when he comes to Alabama. Ah, uh, do they let interns travel? It's a good, good question. <laughs> I think he's gonna have to stay home for that one. NCAA rules. You can only have so many people with headsets now. Sorry, Butch. No headset to throw. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope. 